You are now listening to Wave a Sound. Welcome to Versus Mike History. I am your host, Michael History. In episode 109, Rodney joins the podcast to discuss Garden State Hip Hop. We get into what it takes to break into the industry, having the proper knowledge set to be able to develop an artist, PR misconceptions, and more. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. Subscribe to our newsletter for brand updates and podcast recommendations. And join our members-only community on Patreon for access to exclusive content. For everything else, go to VersusMikeHistory.com. Peace, family. Welcome back to another episode of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Mike History, and we have Rodney in the building today. Peace, brother. What's going on? What's up? What's up, Mike? How you feeling, brother? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be the last episode of the year, so I wanted to close it out with a nice one. And um, while I have you here, how about you just go ahead and tell the people what you do? Absolutely, man. Uh, Rodney Corsi publicist, local concert promoter, music blogger, got my start in 2009 through my company, Garden State Hip Hop. So what inspired me to create Garden State Hip Hop was that during that time, you know, Two Dope Boys was popping, Ill Roots, Nah Right, all the biggest hip hop blogs at the time. But the problem was they weren't covering many New Jersey artists. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So one reason is creating Garden State Hip Hop to give exposure to New Jersey talent that I felt was good enough to be in those publications and also to kind of like create my own lane within the music industry. So um, everything came together, man. I came up with the idea in 2009. We launched January 2010. And uh, here I am almost 10, year, 10 years later, um, working as a publicist, you know, making a living in music, which was the goal going through, you know, different rebrands through Garden State Hip Hop. I got a new website that I completed that we're going to talk more about throughout the interview. And, uh, you know, just trying to make strides in this business. But it all started with the blog and this idea in 2009. All right. Excellent. And usually what I ask guests when they come on here is, um, what are you listening to? So, like, what's in your current rotation? Oh, man, a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I'm a musical sponge, as, as corny as that might sound. <laughs> But um, a lot of navy blue these days. Okay. A lot of Earl sweatshirt. A nice, lot of nice. Zelda, uh, Kendrick Lamar, your Drakes. Um, you know I love a lot of the guys from the West Coast. Everyone from West Side Boogie to Dom Kennedy. Um, Nas has been in heavy rotation. The King's Disease trilogy is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Um, another artist by the name of Puss Kingpin from Long Island. He's another underground cat that's just like super dope to me. And then a lot of guys from around the way as well. So you got people like Des Grant from Newark. Uh, you got Mac Hami also from Brick City representing my dog K Prez from Asbury Park down from my area. Uh, John Crawford from Camden just released an incredible album. Um, you guys, your, your, your fans should check that out. Um, Crime Apple, who's an artist that I worked with over the years. He actually performed in two of my Garden State Hip Hop Cyphers. Uh, in 2012 and 2013, I believe Com Crime Apple was a part of those events. Um, so all over the place, man, various subgenres of hip hop. But, um, you know, I, I think I have great taste in music. <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it. 
All right, let's go ahead and get into it. So um, you talked about the early days of Garden State Hip Hop and how you were influenced by other blogs who were doing the things that you kind of wanted to get into a similar lane to. Um, when Tell me about the fir- your first interaction with these music blogs that kind of inspired you to go down the path of creating your own. Man, uh, my first interaction. So, I mean, it, it definitely started with the top dog, SK and Not Right. You know, um, scanning through that website and just learning about all the newest artists, you know, everyone from like your Sean Price's to your Wiz Khalifa's, you know, to your cool kids. That was my introduction to a lot of those artists through Nile Right. But more on the local New Jersey level, there was a platform called Rock the Dove mm. um, by a gentleman from Trenton by the name of Cal. Um, he actually was a staff writer for a long time at Complex Magazine. So through his blog and his writing, I was heavily inspired to not only be the best blogger I can be, but I also learned about other acts outside of my area from that platform, Rock the Dub. So when I finally established Garden State Hip Hop and I started doing my own outreach to artists outside of my area, you know, I had that template from the artists that were covered on Rock the Dub and me just Google searching, hitting people up on Facebook, YouTube and content, and just sending people cold emails and doing cold outreach saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, I love what you do. Hey, I wrote this story about your um, your album or your track or your music video. Check it out and share it if you're feeling it. Word, word. And um, I guess when, when getting into the flow of... Um you know, reaching out to artists and reaching out to different people of that nature that could help you along your journey. Um, tell me about the the pushback that you receive or or, or the lack thereof, um, because when getting started in media, it you walk a fine line of um, artists wanting to uh, use their time wisely and, and you know, spend their time co- getting covered by people who they think are going to give them exposure. And it's the same for bloggers. Like you want to, you want to cover people who are going to be enthusiastic about letting people know that there's this um, publication out here that's um, championing local artists and up and coming artists. For sure. Um, I wouldn't say there was much pushback, but I would say I came up with this idea, Mike, at 19 years old, man. And I know how I was still living my life at that time. So to have such a great idea at such a young age and I was still very immature and um, in various areas of my life and just my lifestyle at that time, I didn't have the confidence that I have now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? As someone who's self-employed for three years now. So I would say there were bouts of lack of confidence within me, you know, like I didn't come up with, you know, I, I never sat down and actually came up with the true business model for the company until years later. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There were certain rooms I would find myself in or opportunities that, that, that would present themselves. And although I was passionate about what I was doing at my age, I just had, I didn't have the confidence to move forward with it. That's mm. one of the reasons why, why I initially, when I initially started the website, I brought one of my older cousins on because I just felt like he was more solid, more mature and more just like, firm in like his lifestyle and where he was so I kind of needed that boost to feel confident with pursuing my great idea so not much pushback just more lack of confidence in in, in some areas and the cool thing about my cousin is 
um, aside from what I just mentioned as to why I brought him on, he uh, got a journalism degree from Monmouth University. Mm-hmm. And as a side hustle, he would write bios for local hip hop artists. Nice. So aside from the artists that I knew and I listened to, I also had him and his network of artists that he did business with. So look, that's talent that I just get to write about now. And then when right. we want to do interviews, no cold emails, no cold DMs, just hit, just tap, just shoot them a text and give them a call. Let's link up on camera or set aside 10 minutes so we could do this phone interview. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was more of just a maturity and a confidence thing out the gate. And um, stand on the business a little bit. Let's let's talk about that, because, you know, we're in an era where blogs pop up everywhere now. Um, yep. And, you know, we see a lot of negativity uh, featured on there, but we also just see a lot of like disinformation and unorganized content. And I think that um, a lot of people, when it comes to like showcasing artists or showcasing art in their area in general, they think that um, it's as simple as reposting. But I kind of want to get into like, how do you develop the strategy behind um, developing a blog? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, Developing a strategy to develop a blog. Hmm. Uh, Well, obviously, I mean, for starters, you have to determine which platform you want to use. So it was a WordPress Mm -hmm. platform. I got connected, my homie pre-459 uh, out of Newark, New Jersey, he connected me with a good friend of his, a guy, I don't even know what he looks like. We've <laughs> only communicated via email. He built my whole website, Mike, nice. and I don't even know how this guy sounds, how he looks, <laughs> all email correspondence. Just does work. Named, yeah, it worked. A dude named Madrul is mm. his name. No last name, Madrul. <laughs> um, so, you know, you need a developer. You need a platform. Yeah. So my server... Uh, originally WordPress uh, blog, my server, who I'm still with, the company that I use to um, save all my data and stuff is Media Temple. Okay. So finding a good partner in that regard, you know, is 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 paramount, you know, to developing a blog. Which platform do you want to use? Uh, with the new website that I've created and haven't published, I switched over to uh, Squarespace. Okay. And I still use uh, Media Temple for my servicing. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's important. But for me, I was blessed, man, because I've always had a lot of friends that have careers in a creative industry. Mm-hmm. So a good friend of mine named Jonathan Edwards, the person who actually shot the Garden State Hip Hop Cypher series, he was an experienced videographer, photographer, graphic designer. Mm-hmm. So when I came up with the original banner concept and everything and just the theme and color schemes, I just had a conversation with him and he was able to bring everything to life. So um, utilizing your relationships as well. And if you don't have those relationships, you know, this is back in 2009, we didn't have all Mm. these freelancer platforms and, you know, uh, things like Canva and all these different resources that we have now that makes it so much automations. (laughs) Yeah. To build a brand and build a platform for yourself. I mean, you could do this stuff on the go on your cell phone. In 2009, mm-hmm. I still, I think I was still rocking with a flip phone. Yeah. I ain't, I ain't even get the Blackberry yet. <laughs> <laughs> that came a little later. Um, But uh, I would say those three things, man, if that, if that answers the question, I, I think those, um, those three immediate things, um, you know, are very important. But Mike, it's like, yo, when I started this, bro, it was just a passion thing. And when I think back on it, it's like, I could have made, 
the work and just the growth of the website so much easier. But I was just being guided by my passion and enthusiasm for music. Mm. Did I miss some of those operating a business, you know, things? Mm -hmm. But I didn't I didn't always view it like that, man. I just loved hip hop and I love good music. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it it gets tough. Um, I went through a similar bout as you with the with the passion with the whole passionate thing because you know starting a music brand is not is not for the faint of heart because right. a lot of people think that they can just go into it with, oh well I know artists or oh I have a good taste in music and it's like no you have to learn the music industry you have to learn the ins and outs of how things go from an idea to being published and you have to have a strategy as in mm -hmm. a good amount of people surrounding you to make sure that a turns into z right. um it's a whole strategy but um let's get into the whole pr side of everything let's um i want to know what are some things about pr that people get wrong about um about the industry yeah i mean off top especially in hip-hop you know we have this whole pay-to-play structure that's become so commonplace mm -hmm. and the thing that makes it problematic is is that these people who call themselves and i'm not passing judgment you know you, you got to do what you got to do especially if you're a freelancer or have your own startup like i understand you know i'm not knocking anybody but when people call themselves publicists and they only manage pay-to-play campaigns mm. it, it dilutes and it's kind of disrespectful to some of the truer publicists out there. Right. Being a publicist involves a lot of strategy. Coming up with creative pitch angles to present to people like yourself. Uh, being organized. Truly exercising your relationships. You know, this is why a lot of artists don't get featured in Rolling Stone or Complex or the New York Times or the Fader. Because those aren't pay-to-play platforms. Mm -hmm. You have great publicists presenting great stories. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. You know, when I talk to prospective clients, developing acts at various levels of the industry, I always have to set that expectation and try to be as clear as possible about what they're paying for because there's just so much nonsense within the PR space, the benefits of it, uh, what the expectations are. So I tell people off top, my first mentor in the business, the first woman I worked for, um, she had told me, you know, we would love for publicity in our placements to drive up streamings or uh, mm -hmm. drive up streams or YouTube views. But essentially what press does is it gives your client credibility. So that's something I preach to everyone that I work with. Mm -hmm. These campaigns are designed to build your credit credibility, you know? Um, so when I work with the client, man, we're coming up with the best strategies. We're coming up with the best angles. Uh, we're servicing press releases for anything newsworthy. We're not going to copy and paste something, service that to two to 300 uh, contacts, pay for four or five placements and call that a PR campaign. That's not what I do. And that's mm -hmm. not the role of a true publicist. Mm. And so when it comes to when it comes to artists, it's advertising. Uh, Sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, it's OK. That's advertising. It's <laughs> it's it's not publicity. Heard you. <laughs> um, when it comes to managing uh or managing artists that 
you know, want to stay more so on the mysterious side. How do you manage that type of um, that aesthetic and, you know, uh, uh, imagery that an artist wants to maintain when it when it comes to them wanting to stay a little bit more mysterious? But you have to struggle with uh, getting them the exposure that they need to gain a larger platform. Um, I haven't had too many clients that, you know, that's kind of like their aesthetic, truthfully. Okay. Um, I've had some roadblocks I've had is that I've had clients who weren't willing to do on camera interviews mm. or like any in-person opportunities. So how I've always pushed back with that was obviously getting the media trained right. and having them feel more comfortable with people like yourself and with on camera or in-person opportunities. So training them up to give them that confidence and two making sure that we're targeting publications and journalists and podcasters that have similar interests mm. in what they're doing musically or even personally. You know, one thing I enjoy is doing the out of the box stuff, you know, say I have a client who's tatted up mm -hmm. a partnership with the tattoo publication. What if I have nice. a client that loves to smoke tree? Yo, mm -hmm. we'll come back with all the dopest, you know, cannabis platforms to see what we can do. Right. You know, let's do a roll up sesh, a tutorial or something. That's something that they're enthusiastic about. It's something that, you know, is natural to them. So it gives them more comfort. Um, but but no one who's on like that, you know, I mentioned Mac Hami earl earlier. We don't know what he looks like. We just mm -hmm. hear the rap music, which is cool, but Very nobody he looks like. Um, not 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 too much of that, but definitely guys who don't feel comfortable being on camera. Mm -hmm. And when um and when it comes to like covering or choosing which artists to um, to work with, do you struggle with um, choosing between an up and coming artist who um, has like uh, uh, maybe a local following versus uh, the opportunity to work with an artist who has maybe a larger platform who may who it, who it may be easier to connect with the right people um how do you make the decision between choosing between you know an artist who's a little bit more uh along the way in their journey yeah. versus somebody who needs who actually needs the help um another great question i think for me the commitment i made to myself especially when i um decided to be self-employed in august of 2019 i just wanted to work the music that i love you know which was my foundation of Garden State Hip Hop in the beginning, just covering dope music. So mm -hmm. publicizing and working with dope artists. Um, so since I've been on my own, if I connect with the story, if I, if I think the person is good people and I'm really passionate about what they're doing, it's a very clear cut, simple decision for me. Mm -hmm. The only hang up can be when you talk about developing acts and maybe some more established regional or national acts that have the support from the label, or mm -hmm. just have those resources is budget. Right. You know, right. and that's something that you have to communicate. Like, hey, I want to work with you. This is a developing act, a local act. Yo, I want to work with you, but for X amount of dollars, that takes away from another client that can pay mm. a, a certain rate. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm running, I'm I'm running <laughs> a business and I have to prioritize things accordingly you know so mm -hmm. at times things that have prevented me to work with someone a developing act that I that I really find interest in is more from like a budget resource standpoint 
because it may interfere with some of the bigger projects that I'm assigned to at that time. Understood. Now, you, you've spoken um, a few times about how you've transitioned from being um, being an employee to being self-employed. And I kind of want to talk to you about that journey, um, especially as somebody who's working in the music industry, because we often find um, that a lot of opportunities that come within working in the music, music industry is becoming a part of that corporate model mm -hmm. or that corporate hierarchy. And um, you've decided to branch out and do it on your own. So for the people who want to uh, take that similar path, how would you, uh, what advice would you give? Oh man. Uh, well, let, let me take it back to the beginning, if you don't mind. So, uh, you know, I got my first legitimate internship in the business in 2012. So mm -hmm. I was at a company based in the Dumbo section of Brooklyn, New York. There I worked for a woman. Um, I want to try to keep names like private. I always like, name drop, you know, I'm like, yeah, oh, I got to yeah, chill yeah. on that. <laughs> um, so the person I worked for, um, longtime publicist at Roadrunner Records, and she also was a publicist at Island Def Jam at nice. the height of like the Rockefeller, you know, Rough Rider era. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent six months at her company where I developed my skills. After that experience, summer, four, uh, summer 2014, I took another internship at a company that had a main office in Nashville, Tennessee, but a satellite office in downtown Newark, New Jersey. The okay. two people I worked for there came from the Universal Music Group umbrella. Mm. Uh, they were marketing BPs and whatnot. Um, they were behind like Erica Badu's Baduism, Nelly's Country Grammar, uh, the Hot Boys album, mm -hmm. um, Big Timers, uh, Still Fly. The list goes on and on, some bigger projects. But the interesting thing is, Mike, those two companies I interned at, they didn't work in the hip hop space at all. At the first firm, mostly like indie, alternative rock, um, punky kind of stuff. At the second company, uh, record label artist management company I interned at, that was Americana, folk, country, bluegrass. So while I initially developed my skills, it wasn't in the hip hop space at all. Everything I was doing related to our culture, I was doing on my own. So after that internship in 2014, I said I didn't want to work for free anymore. Got more aggressive with the job hunt, you know, interviewed at this label, that label multiple times to no avail. Still working my sales job in banking. Um, eventually landed my first job in 2017 at a PR firm based in Tribeca. Um, I was their designated hip hop guy, you know, worked with a lot of developing some regional talent, but mostly developing acts. The biggest name I worked with during my time there was Andy Minio, an mm -hmm. artist signed to Reach Records. So I did PR for Andy's friends and family tour for the Magic and Bird project that he did, which is super dope. That came out in 2017. Yeah, that was a really dope project. And, you know, uh, that was the first tour I ever did press for, you know, so it was a cool experience, a lot of success stories, but a lot of hiccups as well. Um, so when I came into the game in 2017, I took this entry-level job. As you know, in, in our business, they don't like to pay anybody anything. So oh. I took a massive pay cut <laughs> and took a risk. You know, I was commuting to Manhattan five days a week, Sheesh. making next to nothing, man. So I tell everybody, and just keeping it real with you, it was the best and worst year of my life because I was finally doing what I wanted to do after all these years. But financially, it was a disaster. Yeah, you know, like down to my last 20 type of vibe, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, Mike, because 
you know, I didn't live at home. I didn't have, you know, family members or parents, and I'm not knocking anybody that could pay half my rent so I could have a dope apartment in New York City. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, and I just started opening up to friends and family like two years ago about how difficult that year and a half was for me, man. Like, mm. I had a roommate at the time. Most of my check was going to just covering my rent, and I just had to thug it out. You know what I'm saying? But I took my passion my willpower, and even some of the shame and embarrassment from just my financial struggles, I put it into my work. And mm -hmm. I did a lot of great things and a lot of things I was a, I was I was proud of, you know, landed sweat in the morning for a client, which was like a monumental milestone for me to the point where I kind of forged my own relationship with sweat, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and, and we're cool. And I consider him like a mentor, but, you know, accomplishing things like that. So one entry level job after a year at that company, went to another agency based in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, another entry level position. So look, this is how it went, right? Mm -hmm. Low salary with benefits. That's the first agency. Right. Second agency, higher salary, no benefits. They 1099 me. Mm. So again, I'm at this company. Um. My PR portfolio, Horizon, gets expanded. I'm doing stuff for New York Fashion Week, working with more national-level artists, work with Salento, work with Riff Raff, work with, um, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, who did I say? I said Salento, Riff Raff, Fresher, Fresher, the homie Fresher nice. from Brooklyn, who's on Love & Hip Hop now. He Word. and I are good friends. Um, and some other like lifestyle um, type of people, fashion people, um, other genres of music, singer, songwriter, mm -hmm. pop singers, you know, PR horizon just got expanded completely. Um, so after a year there, you know, again, it, it's time to move on. And Mike, the goal I set for myself was when I took that first job in 2017 was I need to get my salary to what I was making when I worked at the bank because that was the most money I was making at at that point in my life. I got mm -hmm. my first job in music at 27 years old. I'm 33 now. Right. Um, so that was one goal. And two was I want to make myself a senior level talent within three years of me being in this business. And I managed to accomplish that in like two, two and a half years. Because I was just, I was just running, hustling, man. You know, the, honestly, Mike, you're the hardest I ever went for anything in my life, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I call 2017 a Rodney Corsi rebirth because you have nice. in life where you get tested and you really see what you're made of, man. And yo, man, I, I, I really learned a lot about myself within that year and a half period. And I saw everything that came from it. And you can't put a price on that type of stuff on how you feel internally about yourself. Mm -hmm. Just keeping it real with you. Of course. Um, so I uh, went to another agency based in Brooklyn, New York, Pete. Senior level role, senior mm -hmm. publicist, uh, making the money I want to make. And I got my health and dental back. So I'm like, nice. yes, I did it. I can settle in, mm -hmm. continue to grow and expand my career in the music business. Within a month of me being there during my probationary period, I get let go. Damn. Rug pull right from under me. What's you going know what on? <laughs> a good, reputable company. Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, my leadership there didn't feel like I was... Uh, um, didn't think that I was fit to be a senior publicist at that time, 
Mm. Um, everyone can have their own opinions, but I know what I had to do. And when I had to step up and represent the people that I work for and some of the business and opportunities that I secured on behalf of the people that I worked for. So I was doing senior publicist work, but mm. everyone's entitled to their own opinion and their own thoughts. You know, I don't have to wear that. It is what so, it is. Um, yeah, it is what it is. So that was in, uh, that was a week after my 30th birthday, July, 2019. So, um, I, uh, <laughs> that day you familiar with symphonic distro company. Uh, I've heard Yes, I've heard it. Yeah, they had a seminar that day. So after I got let go, I just walked to the seminar. Oh, nice. I kept it moving. You know, I called moms, let her know, because mm -hmm. I, I was tight. I, I won't front. I was tight. Absolutely. You know, I was excited and I grinded hard to get an opportunity of that stature. And I'll tell you the companies, you know, off offline, of course. Um, so I walked to the Symphonic um, seminar networking event. Uh, Killer Mike was one of the keynote speakers, a lot of different people from the labels and stuff. So it was a great day, but got right, right back to business. Network, mm -hmm. took notes, you know, and, and kept doing my thing. So when I got home, took a week to myself just to relax and enjoy what was left of the summer. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I thought about it. You know, I'm like, Rod, man, you came into this business. You made a lot of noise, made a lot of relationships. How about you try to do this on your own? Word. So um, I reached out to a friend of mine who works in law. He put together like a little contract for me. Um, and then I got a blessing, man. I had one of my first clients, a Christian hip hop artist by the name of YB. He was one of my first clients at my first agency I worked at. He just hit me up out of nowhere, yo. And was like, yo, like, what are you up to these days? Are you still doing PR? Cause I'm dropping an album in September. Mm. So I'm like, yo, boom, this is my first mm. client. So YB got me my start in August, 2019. And uh, here we are three years later, built up relationships with some other um, record labels, worked with the NFL this year, um, finally worked with Vibe Magazine, uh, finally worked with OK Player, finally worked with Revolt. I worked with Revolt, but I did a bigger story with Revolt this year. Mm -hmm. So um, here we are, man, um, Six, uh, five or six years in the game, three years independent. And I would say 2022 has been my my best year yet in terms of um my roster of clients, in terms of the productivity and just um operating and managing a business and watching it grow each year, you know, watching those net profits uh increase each year, you know, and just uh growing and evolving, man. Right. And that all sounds excellent. Yeah. Um I want to ask you another question about um, about artist management a bit, because we are living in a time where a bunch of people create music to sort of get to a different point in their career. So they may mm -hmm. want to create music to get to some, to uh, secure more lifestyle uh, branding or um, just to get into a different industry. And how do you manage artists who may want to use just want to use music as a foundation to get to a different level. Mm. See, that's hard, man, because I have a lot of conversations with friends about this, just as someone who loves hip hop, who loves the art of it, you know, going back to the inception of it, like the B-boys and the B-girls in the South Bronx, the, mm -hmm. the, the, graffiti, the graffiti artists. I just love hip hop like that. And what I don't like is I feel like a lot of artists, especially especially newer generation acts, they use hip hop 
for that very thing that you just mentioned. Right. You know, they use it as a stepping stone to things mm -hmm. that they really want to do. Even sometimes, not even for like other like uh, businesses and other interests. It's like, yo, you're using hip hop to almost kind of like become a different type of artist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like a good example I can give you is someone like Lil Uzi Vert, right? And I think Uzi's dope. Mm -hmm. But I would love for him to say, instead of saying like, what artists inspire you, Uzi? He's mentioning the Marilyn Mansons. He's mentioning yeah. the Kurt Cobains. I would love for him to say, yo, Schoolie D, Philly, old school Philadelphia rapper. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love for you to mention mm -hmm. an artist like that. I would love for you to mention uh, Three Times Dope, um, the Hilltop Hustlers. These are Philly hip hop legends. And what bothers me is, is that hip hop, you know, we're celebrating 50 years in 2023. This art form and this culture is still very young. It's young enough for everybody to be educated on it properly. Right. And, and to add, sorry, but to add on to your point, um, we're going out of our way to celebrate older white artists when those black artists are still around and they might need a check. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about that. And then it's another thing. You know, why is it that um, well, I think it was uh, Macklemore who had mm -hmm. like uh, Grandmaster Flash and all those guys in one of his videos. Mm -hmm. Why is it always oh, why? Why is it Eminem? during his uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech, he's naming off, yeah. like, the Rock the Kims, the Rock Kims, the Red Mans, mm -hmm. pillars of the culture and the art form, and homework. not like those generic buzzworthy rap artist names. He didn't mm -hmm. say Jay-Z, Tupac, Nas, and Biggie. Right. He really talked about people that inspire him to pick up a microphone. Eminem is hip-hop through and through. So I don't want to hear people like Wheezy, who I love and enjoy their music, talk about uh, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana as their favorite artist and band. That's crazy. Huh? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, it's almost disrespectful. Mm -hmm. You know, Princess Nokia is talking about how, how she was so inspired by rave culture. I would love to hear you talk about how MC Light inspired you. Right. Lady of Rage, Queen Latifah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're inspired by rave culture, but you're a hip hop artist. Exactly. So, so. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. yo, becoming a rapper, and, and this is how the art form gets diluted and cheapened, man. And it, it really frustrates me, man, because I used to try to rap mm -hmm. and I realized that I was terrible at it. <laughs> yeah. But I had enough respect to say, you know what, I'm going to put my pen down and I can try to be an asset to this thing I love in other areas. Right. Set me on this path. And it's like, yo, okay. All right, Uzi, Marilyn Manson, Gigi Allen, all these punk, hardcore, uh, hard rock artists are your influences, but you chose to rap because writing a 16-bar verse is easier than learning how to play a bass guitar. So that cheapens the art form. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's so disrespectful to the Rock Hymns, to the KRS-1s, to the Chuck Ds, the pillars of the culture, the Grandmaster Kazes. And really... And I think that really what they're trying to say ultimately is that they're inspired from things outside of the culture that they want to bring into it, but it just comes off. It just comes off incorrect or it just comes off. Uh, it just comes off the wrong way. It does. And then when you don't have people that are hip hop is 
this to have the knowledge global phenomenon <laughs> sensation. Mm-hmm. But you and I both know this is something you and I grew up with, man. We mm-hmm. grew up with it. I remember my dad playing Scarface in a car on tape. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up with the art. Our moms, our dads, our aunts, our uncles. A lot of people that get roles in the industry, especially at the senior level and leadership level, they really don't come from the culture. It's something they found when they were freshmen in high school and they mm-hmm. felt cool when they listened to it or took part in it. So with what you just mentioned, you want to incorporate these things in a hip hop. Who said you can do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> it's very true. That's a great point. But when you have the leadership that are just writing off on things and they have the power and the influence and the resources to say, yeah, he can shift the culture any way he wants, then it's not like a culture anymore, become something else. And I'm all right. about evolution and growth. But yo, we should have those parameters within hip hop mm-hmm. where certain things are acceptable and certain things aren't acceptable. It's kind of like the Zulu Nation, man. I was out for drinks with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. He was a part of Zulu Nation. I didn't even know those cats got ID cards, Mike. Wow. It's like a serious thing. You, you know what I'm saying? I it's didn't know it's that a either. culture. It, it's a community. Yeah. You feel me? Um, and I don't think hip hop should go that ex- should be that extreme where we have ID cards, but it's like parameters and guidelines. Every culture has those things, you know. So mm-hmm. I would love for us to be more aggressive with enforcing some of those parameters and guidelines. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Rodney. Well, our time's up. This was a great conversation. And uh we yeah, definitely I appreciate you. We definitely gotta we definitely gotta uh have another conversation because this was great. You dropped a lot of gems. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Yo, shoot me your number and um and a little message thing. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um and let the people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh at Rodney G S H H on Instagram. Uh that's I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. So feel free to reach out to me there. You could even drop me an email, Rodney at garden state I'm also on Twitter, R O D G S H H. Uh, feel free to give me a follow. I just mostly retweet funny shit. So, um, <laughs> you know, you'll be entertained. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hard to find always accessible. Um, you know, happy holidays to you, your your, your listeners and, and the whole fam. And I appreciate your time for sure. Likewise, likewise. Thank you for coming out. Sure. All right, Brother Rodney. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, make sure you guys are following Versus Mike History everywhere on social media, VS Mike History on, on Twitter. And I will see you folks at the next episode. Have a happy new year.